Welcome to Heads Up on Money, the heads up you need to make better financial choices. Welcome again to Heads Up on Money. Coming up today, market crashes. They'll come and they'll go. You just need to stay with the flow. Hi money nerds, welcome to another episode of Heads Up on Money. Now coming up today I'm afraid it's going to be a really bleak one. Yeah, we're talking about the history of market crashes. Oh god, that sounds pretty dry. Well, we're going to look at this through the lens of the main catastrophic events that have shook economic markets over the last hundred years. Now, this podcast could go on and on, going into the minutiae of every little sneeze that markets have had over the last century, but we're just going to talk about the main ones, drawing your attention to them with just a couple of main points from each of them. Now, what's the purpose of this, I hear you ask? Well, the purpose, and here's a bit of a spoiler, is despite this catastrophic events and these severe crashes that have shook economic markets and reverberated around the globe... Taking a step back, as we always do, you can see that even in spite of them, over the long period of time, staying true to your investment objectives and sticking with the plan you have, which, as I've mentioned before, should be investing in global equity funds that provide you with diversification across a multitude of companies, across different sectors, across different geographies. Well, over time, despite these market crashes that the negativity news love to report upon, you still win out over the long term. And this really tries to reiterate the point, people, that if you take a long-term lens and don't be distracted by short-term movements in markets, you can outperform the terminator of wealth that is inflation and you can get over these market shocks that do come. It's those individuals that make knee-jerk reactions in such times that hurt their portfolios and ultimately hurt their long-term wealth creation and the opportunities they may have from their wealth. So this will help you become a disciplined investor. It will let you see that despite a number of what's perceived initially catastrophic economic Armageddon isn't the case when you look at it through a long time frame. And if you're planning for these events and recognising that they will occur... It's an inevitability, you don't know when and you don't know how long they'll be, but the reality is that over long periods of time we have good performing markets and we have bad performing markets. But if you factored this into your plan and you know that the bad times will come, but historically evidence has told us those bad times are much shorter in duration than the good times, and over the long period of time you can still do very well from investing in the stock market. Far, far better than you can in a cash savings account. But to paint this picture, first of all, we need to do a brief history of time and let's look at some of the main things that have impacted markets over the last century. Before we get into the details, it's a quick call out for me to say if you're enjoying Heads Up on Money, please share it with some of your friends and your family if they're going to get value from this too. The more people we spread the word to, the more people become financially empowered and take control of their financial futures. Taking control of your money means growing your wealth, and growing your wealth means growing your well-being. So, spread the word. I really appreciate it, folks. If you can, take some time even to leave me a comment, rate and review, and subscribe to the podcast. I would appreciate it so much. 
Okay, we're starting off on our journey in the year is 1929 and we're talking the Great Wall Street Crash when the New York Stock Exchange basically went kaput. The period of immense economic growth known as the Roaring Twenties in the end was fueled with greed and the bursting of a bubble in 1929, the Wall Street Crash and what many considered the start and the impetus of the Great Depression. Now what ensued was a drastic... 10-year period that impacted most westernised economies, widespread poverty and unemployment. Right, let's challenge that term, bears and bulls. These are arguably bull terms that professionals use to describe market cycles. So what do you need to know as the end investor? They don't really matter is the answer to that question. But basically, a bull market means times when things are going really well, great economic activity and increasing market conditions. A bear market is the opposite of that when markets typically flip. Normally the definition is of by margins of greater than 20% and it's typically associated with economic downturns and falling markets. So you'll hear the terms bull and bear. If markets are bullish then that means they are growing they're doing well, and if markets are bearish, then they're not doing so well. Right, that's the definition. So, back to the analogy. Now, what followed thereafter was a period of relative stability in market conditions. Yes, there were a few bumps along the way, as there always are, but in terms of the notable widespread economic crashes, we had an enjoyable period of about 60 years where, in relative terms, very little happened. That was, of course, until the year 1987. That's when the next big crash happened. We had the Black Monday crash. And this, at the time, was the single worst day of trading since the Wall Street crash 60 years earlier. Now, it's much shorter lived than the crash back in the 1920s and the economic recovery was far quicker. And without going into the details, because it would bore me and it will bore you, Basically, the reasoning behind the crash was more linked to technology systems and it was less linked to underlying economic data. So as a result, there was a bit of a short-term correction in markets, which became negative, became bearish, and then after they resumed normal course of activity. So the recovery was fairly quick. And the Dow Jones, which you've probably heard in the media and you think, what the hell is the Dow Jones? Basically, it's a collection of the 30 biggest companies in the USA. So it's a pretty good reflection of the big players in the US market. And typically when you look at market crashes, you normally judge things by the USA because they are the global driver of markets. And typically if something happens in the States, there will be a ripple effect throughout the other economies. So the Dow Jones, in this case, took a couple of years before it returned back to the levels it was before the crash. But it lets you see when things hit the fan, things always come back. This is the point of this podcast, people. So then we had another decade of stability, in inverted commas. But what happened towards the end of the millennium, 1999-2000, we had the dot-com bubble burst. So this was when the tech companies that seemed invincible, everybody piled their money into them, it all become unsustainable, and hey, what do you know, the bubble burst. And the dot-com crash happened towards the end of the millennium. There was a lot of really, really peculiar investing activity here, whereby investors were investing in companies that weren't even profitable and didn't even have active revenue streams because they thought that one day they will become profitable. Guess what? 
That happened for some companies, but it didn't happen for them all, so the tech industry burst. We then fast forward about eight years and we came to the global financial crisis back in 2008. So here again, it happened in the US primarily, but it reverberated throughout global economies. And here the story was that primarily it was due to the crash of the US housing market and the issuance of some dodgy mortgage products which were offered to people who simply couldn't afford to pay for them. And as a result, lending amongst banks came to a standstill, which had a knock-on effect in the form of increased interest rates. Homeowners couldn't keep up with these interest rates and people become unable to afford their debts, so they relapsed on their mortgage agreements. And once again, that bubble burst. Are you seeing a pattern here, guys? And of course, this ended up with the scenes we all saw in the media of Lehman Brothers going into liquidation and the collapse and people walking out of the office with their brown cardboard boxes and it was signalling of global financial Armageddon. And it was around 2013, in fact, before global markets started to return to healthier levels again. But what followed thereafter was a really strong period of bull markets, of positive market returns. And whilst there were some bumps along the way, certainly in a domestic level here in the UK, such as the Brexit agreement had a bit of a knock-on effect in local markets, but from the recovery of 2008 onwards we had great market conditions, very strong equity earnings and people who came into the market after the market crash almost became accustomed to unprecedented levels of market returns. So things were going really well, bull markets were great, investors were being rewarded and it was great conditions for equity portfolios. What then happened? Oh yeah, there was the small matter of a global health crisis in 2020. Now, taking the devastating impacts to human life and healthcare aside, just looking at this from a financial aspect, coronavirus wasn't that bad for markets and it certainly wasn't as bad as we all anticipated. When news broke out and global markets went into turmoil, It was really unsure when things were going to recover. Were we going to have another period of bear markets that lasted for upwards of a decade? What shape of recovery would we get? Well, it was all very surprising that the recovery from coronavirus was much more rapid than any of us would have anticipated at the outset. It was short-lived, it was only a few months, and markets were back up and running again. And I can remember advising clients during the coronavirus pandemic, and of course people's tensions were at all-time high and they were saying to me look do we need to be coming out of the markets now like what is going to happen here and staying the course paid dividends and I can remember saying to clients we've just gone through a massive global pandemic a shake-up of life as we know it industries have folded new industries have been generated but in spite of all that Markets have continued to do what markets always continue to do. That is the textbook example of when things hit the fan, if you just take a step back and do nothing, then you will be rewarded. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The greatest risk to your long-term wealth creation is not market crashes. It's your own behaviour. So, reflecting on what I've said here, we've looked at Some of the key market crashes that have occurred over the last hundred years, I don't have time to go into all of them, but these are the biggies. Now, it sounds pretty risky, doesn't it? It sounds like things have been pretty volatile and 
many investors out there will be thinking to themselves, I just don't have the experience or the risk appetite to be navigating this landscape. I'm safer just leaving my hard-earned savings in cash, in premium bonds, or underneath my mattress in some of the more extreme examples. Now, risk is a spectrum. Now, I would say to you, yes, there can be some risks with investing in the stock market, but they are measured risks, and it's less about risk and more about volatility. Volatility is the cost we have to pay in order to allow our hard-earned funds to outperform the terminator of wealth that is inflation over the long period of time. People always think about stock markets as being incredibly risky. Well, I'll turn that on its head and say to you, surely the bigger risk to your long-term wealth and your long-term life planning is the cost of low returns. And low returns is what you get from investing in cash. Yes, these examples show that there are periods out with our control when markets do take a tumble. But if you're doing sensible things with your wider planning, doing the things that I've talked about in other podcasts, having good emergency savings in place, having adequate protection cover in place should anything hit the fan, then you don't need to be reliant on your portfolio for day-to-day needs. So when things like this happen, when there are dot-com crashes, when there are global pandemics in the future, fingers crossed we don't have them, but when things like this do happen, you can just take a step back and let things run the course, because if you do that, it will pay off in the long term. And there are far more good times than bad, and the good times last far longer than the bad times last. Typically, around one in four or one in five years, you will experience a bear market. In the other times, we've got really good economic growth and that carries the value of equity returns over the long period of time. And if you stop focusing on the short term and instead look at the medium to longer term, the evidence does not lie. And just quoting some hard data here, folks, from 1926 until June 2023, the S&P 500, which is another measure of activity in the US. Think of this as the 500 biggest companies in the US. It's a bit wider than the index I described earlier. It's more representative of the entire stock market in the US. From 1926 to June 2023, there were 18 bear markets. And that's defined as if there's been a fall of more than 20% in the market from the previous peak. And the average length of these bear markets was 10 months. Looking at the other side of the coin, there were 19 bull markets, so that's when there was a gain of at least 20% from a previous trough. But in this case, the average bull market lasted 52 months in length. That's a vast difference. So we're saying here that broadly there were bear markets, there were bull markets, but the bear markets were much shorter than bull markets. And it's as a result of this, when you look at market returns over vast periods of time, you can see that markets have an upward movement over time. Yes, there will be times when those upward movements take a step back, but the general trajectory will be up. And this is what rewards the sensible, disciplined, long-term investors. (music) 
So that's it. That is your history of economic crashes. What are the takeaways from today's episode? Don't get bogged down in the details of each of these crashes. That doesn't really matter. That's for the economists to dissect. What you need to know as the end investor is these things happen. They happened historically and they're going to happen going forward. There are no guarantees when it comes to investing and financial markets. But the one thing we can be sure of is that there will be good times and there will be bad times. But as long as we believe that tomorrow will be better than today, that capitalism will win out and by having a diversified portfolio that gives us exposure to market returns over long periods of time, coattail investing as I call it, then by remaining invested and understanding that when those bumps come in the road, don't do anything, then stick to the plan, you're going to be rewarded. And that is what differentiates the money novices from the money nerds. Investing in the stock market is not gambling with your future. It's affording you possibilities with your future. The bigger risk to you and your long-term objectives isn't market risk. It's the risk of low returns in your portfolio and poor market returns. And if you're not investing in equities, you are going to get poor market returns. So there we go. I hope this one has not been a pile of bull. Thanks for staying the course on the podcast. Thanks for staying the course with your investment strategy. If you've enjoyed this one, leave me a comment and subscribe to the show so you'll get the next episode delivered right to your inbox for your ears to enjoy. Thanks as always for listening, money nerds. I'll catch you on the next episode. Bye for now. (laughs) 